and there we are. Now we are live. Welcome everyone tonight to another edition of Afterburn Soccer Show. Oh, I went blurry all of a sec, sec, sudden there with my camera. That's weird. Um, yeah, we'll see about fixing that. Anyway, welcome everybody. It is excited, excited to be back. Um, it's been a, a weird few, a weird few weeks here. Um, let me get my camera here pulled up here. All right. Uh, and figure out what's going on uh, with my with my sharpness. All right. Well, anything? Nothing? Oh my lord! Oh, there you go. Boom. All right. Okay. Good. We're back. Video working. Audio working. And I'm here uh, with a good buddy Ishmael Belcora. You can follow him at Belcora Isma on on X or whatever it's called now. Uh, on Twitter, previously known as Twitter. And, of course, I'm Nathan Hill. I'm the host here. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill there on Twitter. Um, and, of course, get your some, some updates and articles and stuff at afterburn.soccer, uh, our Substack site, uh, and, and where we like to break down some of these results and actions and things that's happening. And it has been a weird couple of weeks for FC Dallas fans after the disappointment of that loss against Inter-Miami that went to PK's. Uh, so Dallas has had a long break. They were supposed to play this past weekend, but then Philadelphia advanced in the League's Cup. So that meant a rescheduling of that game uh, later on in September. Um, so it's just been a waiting game for Dallas fans to, and watching Inter-Miami steamroll through the League, League's Cup. Although it looked like it was a it was a great final, really competitive final in the end. But Messi didn't waste much time in winning his first title here. Uh, in North America, wow, interesting, interesting storyline. Uh, let's well, so here's what we got to look through the show today. FC Dallas, of course, prepares to play Austin. Welcome Austin FC at home this weekend, and then uh, you know North Texas. Meanwhile, we can also touch upon them. Another uh, a, a, a loss in PKs this past weekend as they played the Tacoma Defiance and played. Uh, apparently a strong game, but uh, could not keep their lead and then lost in penalty kicks once again. Although they, they signed Diego Pepe today, and so we'll talk a bit about that. And of course, we can talk about what's going on in the rest of the league with Savarisi out as Portland Timbers head coach or what that might mean for the coaching um, coaching changes across the league and things. So anyway, some, some interesting stuff to get to. But let's just start with... Um, FC Dallas is in action again this weekend against Austin FC. Uh, Ishmael, how are you feeling about it? You you ready? You ready to see FC Dallas on the on the pitch again? Well, we're finally getting all the players back healthy. Um, like the majority of them were back for the um, League's Cup game, and I think it showed because we were able to keep up with the eventual League, uh, oh, yeah, eventual League's Cup winners. And I think it's it signifies a lot about like how much dire straits this team was in. That the team that is in the third of the East currently uh, lost four one to Miami at home, mm. and like Dallas was able to uh, like almost win that game if it weren't for um, a little bit of messy magic. And I think that that signifies that. In the next coming games, hopefully, Dallas is going to be able to pick up steam and get back on the top of the line. 
of the playoff line. And I mean, we're only seven points from second place. This Western Conference is kind of insane. And we have a little bit of a buffer between us and Kansas City and Portland. So it's not like we're out of the playoff race. I definitely think there's a lot of room to like grow into this team and get everyone back healthy. Um, and with a little bit of a break, hopefully they'll be able to hit the ground running. And, and looking at the schedule ahead, I know it's a good number of games for FC Dallas at home. So there's really a chance for them to gain a lot of ground on those in front of them. Um, and then, you know, still some things on the road as well. They have been a pretty decent road team this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, they're healthy. But other teams are going to be healthy too now. I think I, I'm hearing that Austin FC is also mostly healthy at this point as well. So um, that'll be an interesting wrinkle. But, yeah, I, I think from what we learned about the League's Cup play is that FC Dallas really did use those games to sort of get – get some new ideas on the pitch to open up some, some freedom. We saw the emergence of Bernard Camungo, yeah. um, who looks like, you know, I, I mean, I, I know Paul Ariola is healthy, but, you know, do you, do you start Ariola over Camungo or, you know, do you try both of them, you know, and, and keep Obreon on the bench? You know, a lot of guys are in form right now, so it's going to be interesting for those coming off of injuries to try to win back a spot, you know? I mean, I think that you can play both Paul and Kamungo. Um, I would think that that is what they should go with against Austin. I think if we drop Kamungo to the bench, at least currently with the form he's in, that would be ludicrous. Uh, but the other thing that's important is to continue playing Velasco in the middle. Velasco had been basically useless for like the majority of the beginning of the season and wasn't playing up to par. And as soon as Nico had the idea of playing him in the middle, like he worked magic against a player like Busquets. And they played really well against Mazatlan and Akaxa with Velasco in that center. And I think that with Velasco in the middle... And then you have both Jesus and Kamungo playing well. Honestly, I would like to see Ansa play at left wing. Um, I don't think he's been perfect, but I think that um, Ansa is a kind of winger that we don't that isn't like the rest of the wingers, where he's strong on the ball and like he has kind mm -hmm. of a verticality that's much more strength wise than Oberon. It's about like keeping the ball with him and like not letting anyone take it from him. Um, I think that's a winning combination. And I think that to enter the game against Austin in a lineup different than what we played against Miami would be very, very confusing. Just, I, just, I had my uh, chat box covered up here, and yeah, here's Todd throwing some shade at, at Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael does also, his... also until Paxson came on, Todd. Like, <laughs> there was more, more Paxson than anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So Velasco in the middle has been a revelation. Um, and I, I think you're right. I mean, I think he'll probably still get some time there, depending on the opponent on left wing. But I don't know how you go away from that. I mean, it just it does leave Paxton sort of out of the mix. Um, and, you know, but – and that's disappointing. But let's be real. Like, Paxton's been solid this season. I think he's been good. But we still are – he. 
you know, we need him to be that a little bit more of an attacking presence that can break teams down with his movement, with his passes, his vision. And he hasn't quite been able to put that on. He draws fouls. He's certainly in the midst of it. So maybe Sebastian and Paxson, they fight on that spot next for that spot next to Velasco. Uh, and then, of course, we're all waiting, too, to see, um, uh, you know, uh, e, e, uh, I, was, I was practicing all day. Ier, Mindy. Who from Spain? Um, who well, uh, yeah, should be a legit last, guy there. Apparently, yeah. last week he was just getting not he wasn't in training yet, but he was in Dallas and like doing some work like inside. So I think that I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Probably one of the bigger revelations this season, besides uh, Camungo and Paz being as good as they have been, is probably Quinon playing as good as he has been. I don't think, like, I think it's been a massive step up from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't to say that you don't play ERMND, but I do think you have a little bit of wiggle room to get ERMND completely up to par. Um, I think that we have 10 games left, and if you're able to have a, a Champions League player like caliber players starting at the height of his game for six of those games, you'll be more than okay. I don't think there really is a rush, and I think that Faku has done more than okay yeah. at that position. So, I, again, like that's why I'm looking at the lineup that we had against Miami. Maybe if you want to sub out Ogron, I could leak at it because he's been a non-factor for a while. But I don't see a reason to change anything of that lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, worth noting as well, like this game, like it's important for Dallas to get back into the into the swing of things to make it to the playoffs. But this is also a game that will determine Copa Tejas. If we don't win this game, we don't win Copa Tejas. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a must win when it comes to Copa Tejas. Well, I, I, um, looking back, you know, and we've had those moments in the season. Um, and there's still plenty of soccer to be played, but you know, we question sometimes just, um, you know, roster selection. We question the mix of players, what's been missing and lacking. And, and I just got to give credit to Nico. I got to cre- give credit to the front office. I mean, even a guy like, uh, Sam, uh, Junka is, has been a steel signing that has really, been an asset to this roster and stepped up in big moments, which is what you want, you know. It's what, and and of course he's. I don't know that he's going to beat Farfan out, but uh, you know you want every. It looks like every player is competing for spots, which is the perfect and, and getting minutes and getting some minutes. So it's just, it's just like this perfect combination that you want, where even you know guys can, you know, are, are going to get on the field. Frankly, I, I don't know why soccer has kept you know kept the three sub rule for as long as it did because I I, I love that they can sub more players and get more guys on the field. I, I'd be curious to see if that the data holds out for less injuries or something like that. But but I mean, it just gives guys opportunities where sometimes you wouldn't get opportunities before for some of these players. And so um, still, of course, it's a challenge for coaches. I, I think you know against Miami, you do question some of the the subs as far as 
you know, were they ready for the moment? Uh, were they up to the speed of the game? It, you know, it's tough. It's tough. It Maybe may one less foul and we get out of there with a 4-3 win, you know, but oh, that, that's part of this, the cruelty of this soccer uh, reality. And so, yeah, and, you know, center Mac wise, um, I, I, I think Ibiaga has been playing just fine. He's been a veteran presence there, which is what you want. He doesn't lose his head. Uh, and, and to Farai, I think we need to lock him up long term. Um, I, I just love watching him play. And I think he played one of his best games of his life against Messi. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, uh, we'll see. That, you know. Yeah, and I think that the players, like I'd say that the three players that have been underperforming so far this season have been Obreon, um, Paxton, because like he's just not 100%, and Siki. I don't think Siki Siki's sophomore year has been all that good. And for both Siki and Paxton, they now have two midfielders that FC Dallas just signed that are now competing for minutes. So even the players that haven't been performing, um, now there's more competition for them. And I think that that's going to push, um, hopefully, hopefully that's going to push both at least Pax and Siki to play at the, at the levels that they were playing at last year. Um, both Pax and Siki are two players that I definitely think the front office are looking as tradable assets next season. I mean, this offseason. And I think that this is a very important 10-game stretch for not just those two players, but players like Obreon, players like Quinone, uh, like Yunka. Uh, th- those players are at this point in the season where they're not only playing to make the team, to get the team into the playoffs, but also for contracts. And I think that hopefully... With that as an incentive, the team will be playing, will continue to play at the level like they did against Miami. Mm, yeah. Yeah, those are some good points. I, I do think it, it, some of this, I mean, getting a guy like Liam, Liam Frazier, um, who won't count as an international spot, uh, as a Canadian, um, but has national team experience. Um, and gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives this team going forward if they if they decide to cut ways with Jose Martinez, or you know it would open up this international sp- spot to play with. And of course, um, uh, Ia Ramindi is wow. uh, you know he's he his contract only runs to the end of the year with an option for next year. So you you really are kicking the tires on a on a legit guy who's spent time at Real Madrid and. You know, it's going to be an interesting addition to this locker room who could be perfect or could, you know, you just, all right, well, we gave it a shot for the 2023. I, I love sort of the, that creative roster building um, that, that's going on. And, yeah, all these these pieces here. You know, I hope we don't trade Paxton, but I, but I know that he could be, he could, it could be the kind of moment where he needs like a Kellen Acosta to go to a different setting to figure out how to unlock his next level in his game and he's 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 been good he's been solid this season uh, we love to fight he he really fights for this team but at some point you want to see him take that next step so yeah several of these guys and obreon man, i was ready to let him go at the beginning of the season and now it's like hey uh give him some minutes and, and he starts to look good again he has a real purpose as as jose always says on this team so yeah a lot of options uh you know that FC Dallas can sort of put themselves in a position to maybe even field offers for a wide number of players and see what works best for them and 
um, you know, how they want to proceed. That that's some good flexibility and good competition, as you said, going into the rest of these these games. I, I mean, so uh, looking at Austin, they lost this week, right? You know, yeah. I had six three. Who did, and they lost to St. Louis. Yeah, um, they're not in good uh, in a good place as a team. Of course, that scares me because it's still going to be, you know, bragging rights. Um, you know, uh, here's a chance for Austin to to just come in and just eke out a draw with us. You know, and make life miserable. And and then what's the one thing that they're playing for this season? Yeah, they're in the lead for Copa Tejas. Like. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the yeah. one thing that they performed well at. They got to play Dallas and Houston at two times when both teams were shallow in numbers and got two three zero wins against both teams. Like, now Austin's in a position to win that trophy, and, like, this game is going to be one of those, those important yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the rest is tricky. I mean, it's but you know it's going to be a tricky one for FC Dallas to get back into the grind right away. But if they're at home, so they've got to be, uh, um, you know, they, they've they've got to be the better squad, the squad you got to look to. Um, and yeah, you know, Ferreira, uh, I thought he had a good League's Cup and a really great League's Cup coming off Gold Cup. And of course, we heard these rumors about Ferreira maybe going to La Liga. And, uh, uh, you know, Evelyn, just maybe some smoke, maybe just some internet chatter. It doesn't seem like it, it's, and the deals were sounding weird too, like a loan with an option to buy, which I, FC Dallas wouldn't take that. Uh, it's just not realistic. So, um, yeah, hey, sir, Elmovic, Dynamo Zagreb. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I really follow them too much. But welcome to the show. We're talking about Major League Soccer. Of course, Messi over here just won the League's Cup, this special tournament, and uh, he performed as built. I mean, let's just say uh, that goal against Nashville is just cheat code. It was just a cheat code. It was just, it's not fair that there are human beings who can just do stuff like that uh, where other people have to work their whole lives to be skilled enough to even get a shot on target, you know. Um, well, let's shift over to our, before we do some predictions and things, to our to, to FC Dallas's reserve team, North Texas Soccer Club. It has just not been their season. I think at this point, it's been a weeks uh, enough that we can say that, you know, letting go of, of Javi Cano as head coach really didn't fix any of North Texas's problems. It's a young team. They have reinforcements now, some some fresh faces, an uh, exciting young striker from Argentina. Just announced today that they signed Diego Pepe, the little younger brother of Ricardo Pepe, who's playing for PSV now uh, in Europe. As a nice talent to look at. Doesn't have the size of his big brother, but uh, could, could really have potential to grow in his roles as a striker. So overall, North Texas continues probably – Offensively, to be all right, it's just defensively these mistakes at key moments in the games that turn into goals for their opponents. Games where North Texas dominates and then just makes those mistakes, and they end up drawing a game which they were they were leading for majority of the match. 
it's a young team, so maybe that's expected. But uh, I think the new interim head coach, John Gall, was hoping to work on those kinds of things and make improvements. And so far, um, it's been kind of more of the same. And I think North Texas's postseason hopes are pretty are, are in life support if they if they have not vanished already. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Ishmael, I don't think we've got a chance to talk about, you know, Cano's departure and where this team is. I mean, what was your take of of what FC Dallas was wanting to see more of uh, and kind of where North Texas is? Uh, because at the end of the day, too, I think, like, North Texas isn't a failure. It, it's doing what it's supposed to do. is getting young players minutes, a chance to grow and develop. And and Bernard Kumungo is just one example of the success of that pipeline. Uh, and, I, and I think there are going to be more stories like that to come. But just what's your take as you've been watching North Texas these past several weeks? I mean, I don't think that the process of firing Cano was because of results. Like, I sincerely doubt that's why. I think that it was more of just recognizing that his like his like ability to like coach this team wasn't something that the FO or the coach like or Nico thought that was something that worked for what they wanted. And I think that the the purpose of North Texas is to develop to develop these players. Um, from the little I've seen, I think that the team hasn't produced that Kamungo. And I think that this team hasn't even produced a mulatto. And I think that that is something that probably does concern the FO a lot. Like, the two players I think have probably played up to snuff to maybe possibly get that um, invitation during January is... Sante, and like that's mainly because of how good he's been for Haiti, and maybe Deshaun Rose, and that's about it. And I don't think that anyone else has a really and like Deshaun Rose is out for the season, and right. he's that's that's going to be a hard sell. I think that there have been a lot of players that have gotten opportunities this season that have had sparks, um, like you've seen a little bit from. Pondic, Garcia, a bunch of the homegrowns that they've signed. Um, But at the end of the day, the best part of the season for me has probably been giving minutes to players that we know have brighter futures, like Mulatto and Endeli, more minutes. And I think that this season has shown which players are probably going to stay and which ones are going to go. I am interested in the signing that they've made recently, uh, that Tabonari player came from a team out of nowhere portable, I think. And you signed both Dylan Lacey and Diego Pepe, and you signed that Argentinian youngster, Tabolada. So they're definitely the, making those kinds of signings at this point in the season signifies that, again, as we all know, this team is building for the future. Like, those yeah. are signings that you make not to make a playoff push, but to get some players locked up for next year that you think might have, might be able to contribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. And even 
a guy like Pondeca, I think it's it's taken him. And we, of course, we did an interview with him uh, the beginning uh, of the season on After Burned Out Soccer. I recommend you go back and look at that because it's taken him a while to really kind of like get his yeah, to make to get acquainted with the league and the style of play. But he's come on really strong lately and has been a goal scorer for this team and scored some nice goals. And so. You know, but he's still probably even a year away. You probably want another year of him working in this system before you really think, is he going to, you know, wh- what's his ceiling? And, and Or are we, you know, but I, I think we, he's showing that he's, he's and he, he's a walk and he's coming on the same route that Kamungo did where you just trial and make the team from out of nowhere. So it's kind of a nice story. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting place right now for this team. They played a lot of academy guys. They've gotten a lot of minutes. These guys who sometimes have played better than the quote unquote professionals. Uh, and so, like guy like Nairobi Vargas has been really exciting uh, to watch and uh, in moments. But are still very some very young guys who are going to take some time. So, yeah, that's it's it's uh, it's just an interesting place where that team is because on one hand. The head coaches in the front office say we want a team that wins. We want to, you know, have a, a put these guys in in playoff opportunities and stuff, which is great. Um, but also, if you're developing for the future, you're going to play young guys and they're going to make mistakes. And you'd rather make the mistake there than uh, than than you know in uh, you know in a critical moment, you know, or with the senior team. So, yeah, it's, it's such a it's a strange place. So it's, it seems like with these signings. It is looking ahead. It's like this team is already thinking about next year and the kind of roster they can build. And Jose and I were talking too that there's some, um, um, uh, uh, you know, Jose was talking about that some some academy players are off to college and stuff. So I think some of these signings probably reflect that. Hey, we're going to be missing some guys that we're giving minutes um, that because they're heading off to start their college career or whatever, which is good for them, you know, but. Um. Uh, yeah. All right. All right, Todd. I think I think Sir Elmovic has already departed the stream. <laughs> all right. But um, yeah, it's such an interesting place to be, and I I like like Diego Pepe. Even his contract, I think, is just a year or so. So it's um. It's going to be interesting to see how he, he will develop in this system. And, and, of course, what kind of head coach they go looking for for next year. Um, I, I, I don't know that John Gall is that choice for them, maybe. But I, I think they're going to go out and look for someone again that will fit their profile. Um, and it, what was nice about this season, it seemed like that Javi and Nico had the teams playing in a really similar fashion. Um, I think that it's actually possible that they do end up going internal, like either staying with Gull, or if it's not Gull, then going with Michelle or another academy coach. Um, because the last two coaches that you went with that were outside of the uh, the FC Dallas like coaching pipeline left very quickly. And mm-hmm. like I think that will be signifier to the FO that maybe it's worth it to stay internal and keep the talent that you have. Um, and I think that there's another thing to say about 
being able to keep the talented coaches that you have and giving them those kinds of opportunities. I feel like that's probably something that they're doing with Josh, with Gall, because Gall's been with the academy for years and years on end. Um, and like that's why you want to give opportunities to those kinds of coaches. And I think that like we'll... Like, it might not be Gall, but I think it might be one of those coaches, one of those coaches that they pick from from internal. Like, maybe the academy director, Hayden, if that's a position that he wanted. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's something that I see as a possibility as the year goes on. They make those decisions in the winter. Well, so North Texas will continue their campaign this weekend. And I, I from what I was looking at earlier on the um, – MLS Next Pro website and kind of the standings, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation for North Texas if they're thinking about. Right now they have 27 points, uh, and they're still uh, the, the final seventh playoff spot is uh, Minnesota United FC 2 at uh, 36 <laughs> points. So not nine points. They would have to really go on a nice run here, but also – uh, Minnesota's played 23 games and North Texas has played 24. So um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's going to, it would be really, really tight for the team to make up that ground. And, uh, and they'd have to really over before overperform their numbers. Um, you know, Oh yeah. Here's Todd saying maybe they should have hired, should have hired Javi Morales. Um, He's having too much fun uh, coaching Pepe. I mean, coaching Messi. Yeah. <laughs> right <sighs> meanwhile across major league soccer the big news that just dropped is that other than new england selling goalkeepers for like crazy money um I, good good for new england although they're embroiled in this coach controversy too that, that no one really knows a lot about bruce arena um possibly you know being under investigation i haven't heard if that's come to there's more information on that yet and then but also today portland timbers firing savarisi uh, who was a good good head coach right their winningest head coach in their team history took them to two mls cups uh they did not win but they won the mls uh is back tournament <laughs> good for them and um uh, but yeah, and, and I even felt like getting him, his team's getting to the MLS Cup was really a, a kind of a, a benefit of a roster, a pretty strong roster that was already in place. Uh, that he, because I, I don't think any of his, their, their signings in more recent years has have necessarily been the best. I, I don't know what their their team building model has been. It seems like they really have. Uh, just been relying on their aging guys and, and that runs out time runs out on that so what were your thoughts on that i mean it shouldn't be too surprising right they were 10th place they're 10th place now in the western conference um just not the way they wanted this season to go right yeah i mean it's not it's not been a good season they just lost 5-0 to houston i feel like that's enough of a signifier especially if they had another player um, I forget who it was that was like requesting to leave and was talking bad about Savarese. So I think he possibly also lost the locker room. Um, maybe Austin should hire him. Yeah. Well, I I, just that's said. that's the question because like this weekend, if FC Dallas trounces Austin, 
with the, with the season they've been having. And I know they've had a lot of injuries, but maybe the front office at Austin starts to say, hey, um, you know, I, I, I feel like it, maybe if, if, if Wolf can, can get his team to win the Copa Tejas, you know, and eke out some, some results, he'll keep his job. But if he gives up another, I mean, six to three, loss against St. Louis uh, is just it's not good you know, for any team. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there has been a lot of drama in the Portland front office. Um, uh, heard a little bit about that from an insider several a couple months back, but oh, a lot of drama up there uh, in Timbers land. Well, let's let's turn back to Austin FC before we wa- uh, wrap up the show for the day. We appreciate everyone's comments and questions and uh, responses. It's kind of good to get this going again. Get get the get the podcast chords, vocal chords moving again. What are our pr- predictions for this weekend? As as a Saturday, as Austin comes to town to Frisco, uh, what are we going to see? What's the end, end score going to be, Ishmael? Uh, I think it's going to be 4-1 Dallas. Mm. It's going to be another smacking. And then Wolf is going to get fired. Yeah, I'm going with a... with a, with a you, know, I, you know, I don't like to get greedy. Like, I'd be happy with 2 nothing. I mean, I'd be very, very happy. But I think 3 nothing. I think I think FC Dallas is going to have a little bit of a slow start. But then once they get into it, Austin is going to be tired. Austin's going to be a mess. Austin's going to collapse. And Kamungo will score yet another goal. And maybe a brace to Ferreira, or at least a brace, a, a goal and assist. But all right, well, we'll leave it there. Ishmael, thank you for sharing part of your evening with us. Thanks everybody for for uh, yeah. Oh, good. That's it. before we got to get s- some cred to you, Ishmael. All right, all right. Good night, everybody. Thank you, and please like, subscribe, and of course follow us at Afterburn Soccer. We'll see you next time. See you.